Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Jesse Rowe, here with you with Recovering Mentally. I hope you all are ready for our next episode. Super excited that you are here. Remember, Recovering Mentally is designed for so many purposes, including erasing the stigma of mental illness, creating suicide awareness and prevention, as well as helping those that are recovering or finding their road to recovery from addiction. As you know, your host has been there, done that, has the medical records to prove it. So this is your safe space. You're not alone. And let's get started. Hey, you guys, one of our promo partners is Work On Purpose With Purpose. It is now on Facebook as On Purpose With Purpose, but you can find them at www.workonpurposewithpurpose. I am so excited. You've listened to Becky and Susie on the podcast. Now come join me and them in a place to take action where grace is allowed and self-care is encouraged. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Recovering Mentally. This is Jesse Rowe, and today I am here with the amazing Tracy Brinkman. (laughs) He is with Dark Horse Entrepreneur. You guys have probably seen his podcast. It's ranking all over the place, and I have had the privilege to get to know Tracy through Jake Anderson, who was on here also, and he has a hell of a story and he is inspiring to me. He also sounds like he reminds me of my father. I'm just like, ah, oh, this man, Tracy, thank you for being here. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my pleasure, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me on. I sound like your dad, but you know, Gina from uh, Oh yeah, uh, Jamie Atkinson, yes. Jamie and Gina. Gina said I look like her dad. Actually, and, you and, look and like my dad too. Okay, well, that's and I always take that as a as an amazing compliment. I, I I'm probably gonna take it as a compliment one one time when someone's like not doesn't have a great relationship with their dad and be like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, well, okay, whatever. okay. <laughs> no, I like Gina. I'm gonna send you a picture. You even look like him. It's crazy. Nice. I know. Right I love it. So every time I'm watching your program or I'm listening to you, I'm like. I'm listening to my dad. He's kick, he's kicking ass over here. And, nice. and like, like, like my dad, he also is recovering and has been, mm-hmm. let's see, he's coming up on 14 or 15 years. Nice. And you're right there with him. Yeah, I think I'm a little past that, but uh, definitely, definitely, you know, you get long in the tooth like, like me and him and you know, those years, they come on you fast. Yes. Yes, they do. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I am celebrating three years on Thursday. And I was telling my kids that. And my daughter goes, hmm, that's kind of a long time, but not really. And I wanted to <laughs> ground her right there. Like, you have no idea how long three years is. <laughs> no. And hey, congratulations for your Thank three you. years, right? I think every day counts. So if, if any, if any one of your folks are out there listening, maybe they're checking you out for the first time. And this is day one or day two or day seven. Dude, look yourself in the mirror and say rock on, right? Absolutely. Because it's those first few days, those first few weeks, those first couple of months that really kick you right in the butt. Do are we do we cuss on this? I just want to make sure. We cuss on this. Okay, I just you know <laughs> sometimes I go there, but I, I stopped on purpose right there. Okay, good because when you're day one, 
forget about it right you're you're the demons are screaming right let's be honest right it's it's i can say to myself when i'm when i'm joking around with folks it was easy it was easy now right Mm -hmm. let's be honest right let's be real for a minute it's tough right and if you and you and i don't want to i don't want to cherry pick anything i don't want to gloss shine the apple and make it all pretty it's not i had a great support structure in my mom my dad and uh, a gentleman that uh, i called my brother until the day he passed away it was my brother from another mother and if it hadn't been for them i don't know if i could have done it i'll be honest Mm -hmm. and i I love how you bring up one day. It's even one hour. Like I've put out there, if you have one day and want to come on the podcast, come on the podcast because that one day person is even helping me. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's so amazing is whether you have one hour, one day or 30 years, we Mm -hmm. all have just today. That's all we have. And it's so, it's so amazing. And it's, you know, the, the first 90 days are what was the hardest for me. The first 90 days were brutal because I lost friends. Yeah. Yes. You know, for me, and I don't know if you want me to tell the story or we can just keep going right in here, but I want to finish that thought right there. For me, when I decided to get out and and we'll, we'll go into the story in a minute, I knew I had to cut myself off from my quote mm. let, let's let's put the air quotes right there right friends yes because when you're in the alcohol induced realm or the drug induced realm friends is kind of a loosely tossed around term yes right you may find one or two that are still around when you get healthy and you get uh, you know you, you get sober whatever right. phrase you want to use so i knew come going into it right away day one i had to cut myself off from everyone except for my brother, because he never did anything. Right? I, I don't know how he did it. You know, he was four years my junior, and uh, um, you know, after I was coming out of the the back end of this, uh, he had never smoked pot. He had never done any speed. The worst thing he'd done is get drunk. Mm. Whoa, you know, and and it wasn't even an alcoholism issue for him. He never once in a while on his birthday he'd get drunk, and that was it. That was the most he did. And uh, so I knew, okay, him I could rely on, but everyone else, it was a hard cut. And that for me made it a whole lot easier because the temptation wasn't there. And uh, yeah, that was, and you know, that's the way I did it. I didn't go into rehab or anything like that. I just, bam, this is it. I'm done. And uh, rough. It is rough. It is rough. But if, if you want to tell a story, yes. Right? So here, here's, you know, um, I'll go back a little bit and I'll give you the condensed version and then we'll go into the good stuff. Um, growing up, my dad was in the military. So I grew up all over the United States. We moved, well, it seemed like we moved every day, but <laughs> we, we moved probably every two or three years. Um, I spent probably about six years of my youth over in Germany and all, like I said, so I got to know a lot of different types of people. I was one of the things I'm blessed about, right? I got to know all kinds of folks, creed, cultures, religion. 
questions, all of it. Um, but then my dad, after serving 23 years, decided to retire. And I was in my early teens. I mean, like 13. You don't get ah. more early teens than that. And he retires in Southern California, of all places. Don't get me wrong. I was glad of Southern California because I ended up being a surf boy. But I went from a very structured world mm. to not just the most liberal city in the United States, but probably <laughs> in the, on the planet. Right. Yes. And so structure to complete freedom. What? Now I was a good student in, in high in school up to about that point. And I really, I'm going to place the onus on that on me, right? I'll take ownership of it. But the challenge was as I was going to school in Southern California, I was going to classes that I'd already learned all this stuff, like two and three years before. So it made school very boring. So I started hanging out with, you know, the wrong kinds of kids and, uh, you know, getting in a little danger, getting in a little trouble, you know, got, I became a bit of a gearhead, you know, so racing cars and, you know, doing bike, just all the kind of crazy things a young guy would do. Hadn't touched drugs yet. And it started getting into the weed thing and I started getting into a little too much trouble. I thought, okay, it's time to bolt out of this place before I really turn my life the wrong way. And I joined the service, right? Oh, wow. Right out of high school. You know, uh, I think the sun, I spent one summer, uh, one more summer in California. And then I left and went to, into the service for six years and uh, had a great time. Started jumping out of airplanes. You know, I requested to go back to Germany and I lived off base. I was, it was amazing. When I got out of the service, it was right. This is right about the dot-com boom, right? So I just dated myself for everybody listening. <laughs> I, get, <laughs> I get out of the service. I got a new set of skills. I start my own little company doing database programming for preferred provider organizations. You know, you'd call up your insurance company and say, hey, I need to go see a doctor in Huntington Beach. And they'd be like, okay, you can go see this doctor, that doctor, that doctor, you right? Okay. So, the uh, some of the company, a lot of the companies back then didn't have these nice databases. There, people were flipping through books and using index cards. So I was taking the the onslaught of the personal computer, and I was making it so that they could do the stuff on the computers. Wow! And I I was doing. I'll be honest. I was doing pretty good for myself. Uh huh. Had what I'll call real money for the first time in my life. Now I'm in Southern California with real money. Oh boy. At the advent, and we've all seen Blow, right? We've all oh, seen Blow. Oh, great movie. You know, right? We've all seen that movie. So right about that same time, I had cash in hand on a regular basis. <gasps> and I lived in Southern California. So you know where I'm going with this story. And yes. I love to play pool. So I'd go out shooting pool with my buddies, you know, maybe toss back a beer or two. I never, I was never one big on alcohol, thank goodness, right? It just, it seemed like, uh, yeah, it wasn't big on pot either because it seemed like the, the alcohol and the pot was, it made you lose control of yourself. And uh, I'm a bit of a control freak. Mm. But then I was introduced to speed. Oh my God. So here it comes this new powder that enables me to stay up all night, do mad programming, deliver it to a client in like a quarter of the time and still go out and keep partying. What kind of amazing <laughs> drug is this? You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, and, and we all, and this is, this is the thing we all think that, especially when we're still young, we're, we're invincible. 
we're Superman in the oh, first yeah. place. And then drug like that makes you feel even more impervious yes. to anything. Well, so as I got deeper, deeper into the uh, the drug scene, I've I found my skills for leading people was um, helpful in supporting my habits because I was getting other people to sell drugs for me to support my habit. Mm. You know, uh, and uh, in all of my dealings and everything, going around and shooting pool and you know networking, uh, I had a sword. Yeah. So that made me King Kamehameha, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and so one started taking over the other, right? So the, the business starts falling by the wayside. I can pay less attention, less and less attention to the customers. Finally, just, all right, I'll just replace my money I was making over here with this source over here because, damn, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And so that, that went on for about, I want to say two, three years. Wow. It got to the point, you know, and I, I don't want to trust me and anyone listening. I'm not glamorizing this. I'm really joking and being jestful in this because I survived it. Right. There's right. people out there that, that haven't and uh, don't take it the wrong way. I am not glamorizing this, glamorizing this in any way. But I got to the point where, you know, I had a couple of cars, you know, and I had a nice condo and uh, I was out one weekend. Well, if I'm honest, it was probably four days it's for like a Thursday Friday Saturday and then Sunday morning you know just straight party binge after shooting pool maybe falling asleep there for an hour and then going somewhere else you know just the whole scene right and Sunday morning I'm heading back to my condo and I walk up to it and I see the door is ajar and I realize the door has been kicked open now when you're in the drug scene right being robbed it happens. You're mm -hmm. that's the kind of people you hang around with. You walk up to your place, you see your window bashed open and stuff is missing. You're like, okay, well, I just got to buy another one, whatever. Or I'll, I'm going to find this guy and I'm going to beat the snot out of him, whatever. But when I get inside, it's like a scene from the movie, right? Where, you're, where you some place has been raided, the furniture's tipped over, clothes are thrown everywhere, cereals dumped out on the counter, you know, instant potatoes are on the floor. I, I had been raided. 5-0 kicked open my door while oh. I was out partying and literally raided my place. And I mean, there was stuff everywhere. Uh, they didn't find what they were looking for. Wow. Um, so I'm in there and I'm picking up, just trying to straighten things up. And, uh, you know, two detectives knock on the door and introduce themselves. And I'm like, yes, this is my place. And I'm looking around. <laughs> I guess I missed you guys. I tried to, you know, say jokingly with them. Probably not a great idea. <laughs> but they, uh, <laughs> they had asked for my ID. I'm like, sure, it's in my briefcase right over here. Pause this story for a moment. Before I started this party run, I had went out with a good friend of mine to the firing range. Oh, no. Where I fired his 357 and his 45 Magnum. Oh, no. Right? Yeah. And I said, dude. Do you mind if I borrow these? Because I'd like to come back here Friday or Saturday and fire again. And it was right by his house and I'll just drop them off. So I go to my briefcase, forgetting about Thursday. Yes. Open it up to get my wallet. All of a sudden I hear a gentleman yelling, gun! And he oh. tackles me down and I get the silver bracelets. And uh, they, yeah. So it was oh. an eventful day to say the least. 
you know, and they take me down to uh, uh, HQ and they pepper me with questions. And, you know, the questions were, were such that they knew way more than I would have ever thought they did. You know what I'm saying? Oh, wow. You know, they're yeah. asking questions. Do you know this person? Do you know that person? I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I know a lot of people, but if I know them, I don't know that I know them, right? Because I go right. out and I shoot pool all the time, you know, this and, you know, so I'm, I'm playing stupid, right? Wired out of my skull. Oh. <laughs> I'm still, right? Oh. And, uh, you know, that I probably was in uh, in the the holding tank, I don't know, 18. It wasn't quite 24 hours. Um, and then the, uh, they let me go. And uh, one of the th reasons they let me go is because they called the owner of those two weapons and he confirmed my story of being at the firing range and those were his weapons. So oh, at that point, God. they're like, well, we got nothing to hold you on, right? It was completely honest on that, on that point. And so I'm walking back home because, you know, the, the police station for them was, I don't know, it was probably 12 miles away. I'm walking back home and I'm weighing, okay, do I want to stay in this game? And like I mentioned earlier, my daughter was now in the picture. She was three months old. Luckily, she was over at grandma's, visiting grandma. Which is, which is what enabled me to go on a four-day binge like that. Yeah. And if she had been there when they kicked that door open, of course, she would have gone right into the system and who knows what would have happened after that. And uh, so that was a bit of a deciding point for me. It was like, you know, whoop off, whoop, you know, whoever you believe on high looks down and kind of taps you on her shoulder and says, all right, now you got to make a decision. Do you want to take this road or do you want to take that road? Yes. And uh, I, you know, I decided, you know what? I can't messing up my life. Who cares? Right. Whatever. It's my life, right? If I want to go down to drain, I want to go to jail. It's my life. Now I'm messing up her life. And one of the things my dad had always beat into my head, and I say that, you know, jovially, of course, my dad was an amazing guy, was family first, right? Mm -hmm. It was always one of those things my dad was you know, a driven man when it came to work. He had a high work ethic. He worked a lot of hours. But if his, if his wife or his son needed something, he was there. That was it. And everybody knew that about my dad. My, if I called my dad from school because I wasn't feeling well, he dropped everything, would come pick me up school and take me home. Right? Uh, it, it wasn't like, oh, wait till I get off or, you know, can you, right. can you muscle through? No, it was, oh, you don't feel well? I got you. Right. I always knew my dad was going to be there for me. Never, never fail. So that was ringing in my head as I was making this walk home and coming back. And I was like, yeah, I get back to my apartment and my condo and call my mom. I said, dad, mom, dad, I need to come over and have a chat with you. And it's not going to be a good one. Right. And let's be honest, the people in that are closest to you, they know. Yeah. I don't care how much you try and hide that you're <laughs> addicted to this or, uh, you know, drinking too much of that or partying too much over here. They know mm -hmm. you can lie your face off. Yep. Uh, my mom one point said, look, I, I'm not going to ask what you're doing because I know you're going to lie to me. Mm -hmm. All I'm going to ask is you don't bring it into my home. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I never did refuse to. I'd leave it in my car out on the curb. Right. right? But never in her home. Just, I was just, and I never brought anybody in that circle to her home on top gotcha. of that. That was the respect I had for them. 
So, you know, uh, obviously go over there and have this tough conversation. And I say it's a tough conversation. It was a tough conversation for me. That's it. Just for me, because I was swallowing my pride, mm-hmm. you know, metaphorically on my knees begging for help. And they're like, okay, how do we going to, how do you want to do this? You want to move back into your room or what do you want to do? What, there was not even any debate. You know, they're like, hey, you know the rules. You've lived here before, right? You come in here, that stuff stays out there. And if you really want to get done with it, we're here. We're here to help you wow. out. You know, and I was like, oh my God. You know, you it's one of those moments where you're so thankful that you feel the tears just rolling down your face, you know? And it was like I was saying, but it was the only one that the, the, the conversation was tough for was me. Right. They knew that conversation was coming eventually. Right. Yes. <laughs> but yes. They, I think they would much rather, as any parent would, have that conversation than have that, you know, that knock on the door by some oh. policeman telling you that, you know, your son is dead. Exactly. Or, or imprisoned or, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, sorry to babble on like that, but that's, no. that's kind of the, that transition through things. And, uh, you know, those, when, when I moved in, you know, I closed everything down at the condo and moved in with my mom and dad. Um, with my daughter and the my daughter's mother at, uh, originally, um, I literally said, "Mom, here's the deal, right? Here's what this drug does." My mom didn't know weed is what she knew. Right? And she never did it, but it, she just was naive to the drug. And I said, "You know, it's uh, you know, it's an upper and it keeps you going." And so here's what's going to happen: I'm not doing it. It's going to have to flush out of my system, which means I'm probably going to sleep for about a week. Right. You know, I'll probably wake up to do bodily function things. And that's it. Exactly. You know? uh, and you're going to, if you peek in on me, you're going to see me vibrating, right? Flopping around like a dead fish sometimes. That's just my body just uh, doing its thing. I said, and they're like, well, do you want to go to a rehab place? I said, no, nah, I think a rehab place will be too nice to me. Wow. And if, for me, for me, if it was, if you were going to be nice to me, it's like, oh, gosh. The next time I have a line laid out in front of me, well, gosh, going through rehab, that wasn't all that bad. Let's do this again. Exactly. Where if I'm like, I'm just, I'm just cutting this off and I'm going to suffer the consequences in a healthy fashion, right? They they would always check it in on me. My my mom was amazing. It It seemed like every time I woke up, there was some piece of food sitting there waiting for me and a glass of water, you know? And then the next time I woke up, it was replaced again. But so that's what I did. I mean, I went through and probably slept. It was probably a good six, eight days uh, for the most part until I started started getting up and moving around. Uh, my brother, Robbie, would come over. And he says, OK, dude, it's been a week. You got to get your ass up kind of thing. Right. You know, and, and he was just he knew if I laid there for two weeks, it it was going to be OK. But it at some point you've got to drag the boy out of bed right right um so he'd come over and we you know we'd just kind of kick it on the front porch for a bit maybe walk around the block you know you know that was his uh, manly way of getting my ass out of bed but uh yeah if it hadn't been for my support system i don't know yeah if i would have been able to make it i'll be honest so uh, i think there's anybody out there considering stepping onto the wagon right? Or stepping off of whatever addiction they're on, find a support system. And I mean, a real support system, not, 
you know, it, it, here's the thing. And I'm not going to insult any of the organizations that are out there because yeah. there are many people that do great with those organizations. But I tried going to one of those, you know, uh, two letter, you know, NA oh, meeting yeah. kind of organizations. And the first thing they wanted me to do was to stand up and say, hi, I'm Tracy and I'm an addict. Well, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm a big person about you are who you identify yourself with, right? Yes. You know, that whole saying, you are, you're, you're the average of the five people you hang around with. Well, if you hang around with five dope, fiend, dope fiends, guess what? You're probably a dope fiend. Right. But if I stand up there and kept saying, I'm an addict, mm-hmm. well, then I would have kept feeling like an addict. Right. But at that point, as far as I was concerned, I was no longer an addict. I was recovering. Yes. Right. Yes. I used to be an addict and they didn't want me to say that. All right. It wasn't, no, no, you're still an addict. I said, no, no, I'm not. Right. I'm a recovering. One hour, like you're like we were talking about early, whether it was an hour, a day, a week, a year, 31 years, who cares? Yep. You're no longer. Right. And that's, that was my stance. And I was going to stand firm on that. And I went to two, two different places. And they're like, no, no, you have to sign up here and say this. I said, well, no, no, I don't have to. I can walk right out that door right there. It's really easy, right? right? The same way that I made the choice to not do the stuff anymore is the same way I can make the choice of walking out that door. It's my choice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, for those folks that find solace in those organizations, more power to you, whatever it takes, right? But for me, it didn't work to stand there and say, I'm something I was actually trying not to be. Right. So- And we uh, talk about that so often on this show because not only am I a recovering alcoholic, but mm -hmm. I have bipolar and anxiety disorder. And if I identify too much with my disorder, I go down this weird rabbit hole of of depression and questioning my self-worth. And when in actuality, it's no different than somebody having diabetes someone with diabetes sit there and go, I have diabetes and go down the rabbit hole. Not very often. They've Mm -hmm. learned to live within the confines of their disease and they don't let it, I, I, how do I say this, take over their life. They don't let it define their life. There it is, right? You don't become that label. Yeah. My my first wife, it was uh, um, a girlfriend out of high school and, uh, um, shouldn't have been my first wife when I when I like I was telling you about uh, joined the service right out of high school there's that fear that you have oh my gosh I'm going into the unknown right so I asked her to marry me and the minute I got over to Germany I was wishing I wasn't married but the the edicts my dad had drove into me right yeah stood so I stayed married and I you know honored that relationship but as soon as I got out of the service and got back into Southern California um, our differences really opened up and it's like, and we both agreed, you know what, this isn't going to work for either one of us. Um, so we went our separate ways. I wanted to say it was an amicable separation. It, it wasn't because it was right at the start of my uh, drug scene. Right. And she was trying to be helpful and I did not like that. You know what I mean? She was trying to help me <laughs> yes. get away. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. You know, uh, we're friends now. Right. Oh, but wow. it, it, it took a, it took a while. It took a while. Um, but and the reason I was starting telling the story about her is because 
she's the oldest daughter of some very alcoholic uh, parents. Mm. And, uh, and all the ugliness that you could see in an alcoholic pair of parents, it's probably, she had it all. And she used to, during some of our conversations, say, well, it's because I'm the child of an alcoholic. I said, no, no, it's not. Mm -mm. Stop, 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 right? My dad was an alcoholic for quite a long time as well. And I said, and I act nothing like you. She goes, well, your dad's totally different. I said, well, yeah, my dad's different, but here's the deal. I don't identify as the child of an alcoholic parent. Right. My dad's an alcoholic. I'm his son. Two completely different ways of looking at it. Yes. Right now, I wasn't going to change her mind. She had to change her own mind. And therein lies the next things, ladies and gentlemen, I want to make sure everyone hears. Okay. If you have someone you love that is going through any kind of tough time, right? Depression, uh, alcoholism, addiction of any kind, or any other disease or issue that's, ha that's happening in their world, you can't change their mind. You can be supportive. You can help them during their uh, trials and tribulations and recovery. But please hear me, you will not change their mind. They have to change their mind. Yes. Can you show them all the cue cards and everything to help them change their mind? Yes. But mm -hmm. please don't try and force them because for me, in my experience, on both sides of the fence, you're just going to chase them away. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, and, it's, and unfortunately, I mean, for those listening that don't have an addiction, but have somebody that they love that has addiction, don't feel scared or ashamed for them if they have to break out in handcuffs. Like, it, you know, it, it happens. And we're resilient as people. Mm -hmm. We can bounce back, but you cannot change somebody. They have to make the choice change yeah. for themselves there it is yeah they, they 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 have to now again you can be all kinds of supportive to be there and and everything yes. like that and and i'm a big fan of that obviously my support system was key in my recovery but none none of the folks in my support circle afterwards ever tried to force anything on me my brother actually his wife said why do you even like this guy right he mm -hmm. goes you don't see him understand I know Tracy, that's not Tracy. Mm -hmm. That's Tracy on drugs. Mm -hmm. And when Tracy gets done with the drugs, I'm gonna be here for him. Right. Right. And I think it was that it was having that light out there. Right. Uh, just, that's, just for me, that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. Having that light, that shining beacon of my parents and my brother, and it was really more of my brother because I was ashamed go to my parents I could go to my brother and admit my foibles because he saw them he knew them right mm -hmm. I never uh I never denied being on meth to my brother right I denied it to my parents so it was easy to go to him and say hey here's what's up he's like hey you're, you you know your parents will hook you up in a minute right and so he was the one that helped me get to that that groveling moment you know so and be that light for them obviously um, but you're not going to be able to push it on them. It, it's uh, right. Yeah. You, you watch, yeah, I, it scares me. I, you, because they televise it. Some of these intervention shows, oh, you know, yes. and, and they're, they're very, they're very powerful. They're make great yes. TV. But my question is how long is that going to last? 
I have, I've watched it a couple of times and I got to tell you, I've asked, asked the exact same question. Mm-hmm. And l- I love how you talked about, you know, I didn't go to rehab. I didn't go to rehab. Mm-hmm. And because it's like, there's a pool and a massage and a sauna and this and that. And it's like, that is not the real world. I have to come out one day yeah. and face the fact that there's going to be shitty ass days. Thank you. And I can't drink or do drugs on those right. shitty ass days anymore. Right. I that's, right. That is my issue, especially with California and Florida rehabs because they're in really warm climates where it's just like, oh, it's serene. Oh, it's so peaceful. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is getting sober over here? You're on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so, Thank you. I mean, you said that. And I'm like, yes. I didn't do that either. Now, if you want to join a rehab, come to Omaha, Nebraska, where it's negative 32 degrees right now. There it is. If you want to go to, I know a rehab facility and it's negative 32 degrees. Now that is rehab. rehab. (laughs) I think, I think, and and again, like I said earlier, you know, I'm not bashing these places, whatever, whatever it works from. But I think if there's gonna, if, if I was going to create a rehab facility, it would probably be a working ranch type environment, yes, right? Or a working nursery type place Mm -hmm. where there's jobs to do. So now they're getting up and they're feeling good because they're 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 getting shit done. Yeah. They're they're building something, they're creating something, they're nurturing animal whatever, right? Because when I came out when I finally was able to stay awake for more than, you know, 4 hours at a time, the, the, my next step obviously was to get back out into the marketplace mm-hmm. and work. Right. Now, mind you, I had a great skill set, right? I told you about it, I was making some good money and that's you yeah. know, saw my stuff. I didn't feel worthy enough to go back out there and do that. Oh my gosh. Really? And, and, and I think a lot of people going through uh, coming out the backside of an addiction, right? You, you have that, uh, that self-worth, you know, the cops banged my kicked my door in. You were talking Mm -hmm. about a kick to the head. Right. So what I did is I went out there and I literally started doing day jobs. I worked at a warehouse for a while. You know, I worked at Montgomery wards. I started doing part-time work in offices through like Kelly girl services and the whole nine yards just to build my self-confidence back up. Right. It's like, okay, now, you know, and after I was probably like six, six or eight months or so, right. Doing mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Like, all right, I feel better about myself. I bought my, then I put myself back out on the market and I landed a role at a Coca-Cola, right. Which oh, started wow. my corporate career climbing. And uh, you just don't jump into that. No. And, and I think if I had, I probably would have relapsed. Yep. Right. Because I would have come in there and I would have been all stressed out because like you were mentioning earlier, being a bit of a perfectionist. Yes. I like being good at my job. Me too. Right. Yeah. And then jumping in there, just coming off that and having that shaky self-confidence, mm-hmm. I would have messed up one little thing because I was new, not because I was stupid. Right. I would have done it because I was new and I would have just it would have spiraled inside my head. So and that's why I just, okay, I'm going to start stepping myself up. And then it was really, I think it was more subconscious than anything else because I didn't really analyze it until years later. 
when I went back and looked, said, why did I do it that way? And then I thought, oh, because I didn't feel like I could do it any other way. Right. Right. All right. Let me just get out there and land a job. I know I could land and I know I could do with my eyes shut. Yep. Maybe it was my subconscious way of saying, if you nod off at the desk, you could still get this job done. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. And, you know, I did the same thing because essentially when you get, when you find recovery and decide that you want to take that path, you have to strip yourself down from the lies and, you know, the withdraws and the guilt and getting out of your own head out of self and into other things yeah i mean it's fucking hard and there it is it's so fucking hard Mm -hmm. and that's why i i'm totally with you it's important to do something you know you can do Mm -hmm. to help yourself continue to build up and be strong in this new person that you are Mm -hmm. because you essentially are a different person now yeah you know what i'd say yes and no right and i'm gonna agree with you but i'm not gonna agree with you so here's the thing (laughs) i'm gonna say you're a different person but you're still for me i was going back to the person i was pre-dope ah gotcha Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, so from that perspective, I have to disagree. But from the perspective of I am a different person because of the experiences I've been through. Mm-hmm. Right. At the same time. So and that and so, yeah, I, I you're, right. you're right. You're you're a different person. And, and I try to look at it that way because I, I I think anyone that can pause and have the courage to turn around and look into the abyss of what you just went through. Mm-hmm. Look that monster dead in the motherfucking eye mm-hmm. and say, I beat your ass. Yes. Right? Yep. And that, it, 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 you know, in saying it like that, it's all kind of joking and fun, but it's tough. It's tough and, and it, it's empowering. It takes a lot of guts, but the moment you can do it, mm-hmm. then I think, then you're kind of like, you point to 2.0 right yes right because now you're like ah now i'm the person i was before that yes only better and gone through it for having survived it if that makes sense oh perfect sense tracy thank you so much for being here how can my peeps find you aside from my recovering mentally crew page they've got to <laughs> uh, hear the- your podcast they got to hear the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back, right? Um, <laughs> you, the, the best place to send them would be darkhorseschooling.com. Awesome. And everything there, the socials are all there. The, the podcast is all there. And, and you know, if they, if they listen to podcasts on the norm, just, you know, search for the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. We're on all the platforms. Fantastic. Tracy, thank you again. means My the pleasure. world to me. Thank you so much for having me on. Really, I I definitely appreciate it. And again, Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast on all the platforms. And he is also on my page at Recovering Mentally Crew. Thanks, guys, for joining us. And we will talk soon. Hey, you guys, it's Jesse with Recovering Mentally. I am so excited to tell you about Healing Dragon CBD Oil. 
I have used it for mania, anxiety, joint pain, you name it. It is just a great, great way to calm down. CBD oil is a natural way to assist you. I am not a doctor. Please make sure to call your doctor before using it. However, my boys at Healing Dragon CBD oil are wanting you to get in on it. And only for the listeners of Recovering Mentally, we got ourselves a promo code with a discount. Go to www.healingdragon.com and type in Recovering Mentally for your promo code. Yay, thank you so much, Healing Dragon. You saved me and you were gonna touch so many others through this podcast. So www.healingdragon.com, promo code Recovering Mentally. I want to thank you guys for joining us again for an episode of Recovering Mentally. As always, it is wonderful to save the space for you of trust, compassion, and authenticity. If you're looking to connect with me or any other members that you've heard on this podcast, please feel free to go to Facebook Recovering Mentally. And as Baby Yoda would say, this is the way. Have a great day. And until next time, hang in there. You are not alone.